Welcome to Friday Friends, RI Elder Info's weekly look at the organizations and individuals providing resources for Rhode Island seniors, caregivers, and professionals. Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday the 13th. As I'm sure you can tell, we are running a little bit late because, well, it's Friday the 13th. So, of course, we're going to have technical difficulties, right? I hope your day is going so much better. So, every Friday, usually at 9 o'clock, I am on here live. I am the executive director of RI Elder Info and creator of rielderinfo.com. We maintain the most comprehensive resources for seniors, caregivers, and professionals. And every Friday, we come on here for Friday Friends and interview different people and different organizations that you need to know about in order to age independently or to take care of someone who might be growing older. And aren't we all growing older one day at a time? Yeah, we are. So we are a nonprofit. And if you like what it is that we do, feel free to hit the donate button on our website. But this show is brought to you through the great generosity of our sponsors and our donors. So I have to give a big shout out to Oak Street Health. They have locations in Warwick by the Stop and Shop Plaza. They have an office in Providence on Broad Street, another one on Branch Avenue, and a fourth one up in Woonsocket, uh, not far from the Taco Bell. So Wonderful primary care practice. I encourage you to check it out if you are a Medicare beneficiary. They even provide transportation, which these days we know is, is often very challenging. Also, great big thank you to United Healthcare. They are one of the great Medicare insurance companies here in the state. I strongly encourage you to reach out to Jennifer Barrows over there. There's so much information that she can provide to you regarding Medicare that, you know, why not hit the easy button and just give her a call? Um, also, Tamarisk Assisted Living. It's a little assisted living in Warwick where they take care of your loved ones just like family. They are right over by the Warwick Mall. Also, the magic that you see here, here happening is compliments of 321 Media and Ben Barber. He's sort of the Oz behind the curtain for me. Uh, he is not responsible for my technical difficulties today. That is my own camera and computer issue going on right here at home. And also, if you visited rielderinfo.com, that is from the magic of England Studio. So today's guest is going to talk about something that has come up much more frequently during COVID. Lots of questions have come up. So I thought I would invite Cheryl Tadino from the Social Security Administration up to talk about what is happening with Social Security. Hi, Cheryl. How are you? Good, Deb. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. And Deb, thank you so much for the invite to Friday Friends. It's an honor and a pleasure to be here with all of you today. So, thank yes. you. Thank you. So what's... What is new with Social Security? Is the building open? Is it not open? Can people come in at will? What's the scoop? So as I'm sure many of you know, uh, our offices, as many local agencies and government agencies have been closed since April of 2020 due to the pandemic. Um, our offices have done a soft rollout of reentry starting April 8th um, last month, actually. And we are 
operating on a very different model right now uh, due to capacity limits, uh, six feet of social distancing in our waiting rooms. So uh, what we're doing is we're operating on the model of express interviewing only. And what that means for you all is that if you have a business with Social Security that will take, unfortunately, five minutes or less, uh, we can accommodate you at that point in time. If you're coming into our office with a complex issue that will take a lot longer, or if you're looking to file for benefits, whether it be retirement or Medicare or disability, we will be setting you up with an appointment. Um, we really don't like doing this at this point in time, but due to capacity limits in our waiting rooms, this is the only way that we've been able to um, keep everybody safe, including our workers and the public. How do you know if what you need is like five minutes or less? Well, so when you come, when the we all kind of hope it's five minutes or less. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you're greeted at the door by um, our security guard, he will, he or she will let you know as far as what the weight is, and if we're able to accommodate seating in our area, our reception areas. Um, if there is no seating, the security guards um, are really been very helpful in trying to assist the public. Um, if somebody says I'm here today to file for retirement, he'll hand, he or she'll hand them a, um, a QR code and that code can actually just be scanned on um, by someone's smartphone and it'll bring you right to the link where you can either file online or you can call our office to book an appointment. But as far as whether or not knowing if it will be a short or quick visit, unfortunately, um, there really is no way of knowing until we bring you up to our interviewing window. And um, at that point in time, we'll let you know how best we can accommodate you. So you've listed a lot of things that I didn't know Social Security could do. So if you're retiring, or you've reached Medicare age, you can go get that done right at the Social Security office? Absolutely. So at Social Security, um, just to kind of back up a little bit of history, uh, we've been around for 80 years. Uh, right now, we have about 64 million people who are receiving monthly benefits from us. Wow. Uh, those monthly benefits are comprised of retirement benefits, Medicare benefits, disability benefits. Uh, we offer an array of benefits. Um, as I have mentioned, we uh, help people enroll into Medicare. We help people enroll into their retirement benefits. Uh, if an individual is looking to apply for SSI disability or SSDI disability, we help with that also. If somebody is looking to apply for a Social Security card, whether it's someone looking for the first time to apply for a Social Security number or looking for a replacement card, we also do that at Social Security. All so of our options. I just want to I want to interrupt there for a sec. If you do lose your Social Security card, mm -hmm. like your wallet gets stolen or something like that, what do you need to do to get a replacement Social Security card? If if you know, like your ID is stolen. Sure. It's almost like a loop. You need an ID yes. to get a social security card. You need a social security card to get yes. an ID. So how do you, how do, what do people need to do to get a replacement one? Great question, Jeff, because we get this 
all the time. So I'm going to first start off by saying protect your card. Um, your card has your social security number, which is your identity, which is crucial. Um, do not carry your social security card in your wallet or your purse or on your person. Keep it at home in a safe, secure spot, preferably a lockbox or a firebox. Do not laminate your social security card. Laminating your social security card takes away the authenticity of that card. So we've had an influx of people when the state ID, the real ID was going through, when they were trying to get that real ID, they were turned away because their social security card was laminated. So they had to come back to us to get another replacement social security card that wasn't laminated. So that's just a quick little tip. Um, with that being said, uh, cards do tend to deteriorate over time. So if you do need a replacement card, um, such as you don't need a name change, um, you're not changing your citizenship status, all you have to do, there's a couple of easy ways. If you go on to mysa.gov, click on where it says replacement social security card, and you can actually file online for a replacement social security card. If, if the card is not verified that way, uh, the other option is you can come to our field offices um, with a form of ID. Now, if you've lost all of your forms of ID, such as if you've lost your driver's license or your state ID, we accept as forms of ID health insurance cards. Uh, we also accept, uh, if it's a, a child under the age of 18, a report card will serve as a form of ID. Also, a printout from your last doctor's visit, whether it be the dentist, the pediatrician, the podiatrist, uh, the orthopedic doctor. As long as you've visited that doctor within one year, that will serve as a form of identification for you. If you were in the emergency room, that will serve as a form of ID. Um, so a lot of folks will say, you know, I don't have identification. I've lost everything. Contact your doctor, ask for a printout of your last summary, and that will serve as ID. We don't keep the paperwork. We're just looking to make sure that your name and date of birth are on that um, documentation. Uh, just to clarify, a lot of folks think that a birth certificate will serve as a form of ID. We don't accept birth certificates as oh. a form of ID. Yeah, um, that just actually serves, it just shows us that the individual was born, but <laughs> that, not that the individual is still among us. I see. Yeah. Shad, do you have headphones in? Because I'm getting a little bit of static. So I don't I, know if maybe if, if, it, if you wiggle something in the microphone jack. I don't have headphones in. I'm talking okay. through the phone. Yes. Okay. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I mean, these things happen. And after all, it's Friday the 13th. It is. <laughs> so um, I'm surprised that the birth certificate does not prove identity, but it kind of makes sense. It doesn't tell you that the person holding the paper really is the person. Correct. Um, what about disability? You know, sometimes people need to apply for permanent disability. Is that something they can come into the office to do? Or is that something that it's better to do online? And how long does that process take? Excellent question. Actually, yes, we do assist individuals in applying for disability benefits. At this time, due to our COVID restrictions, anybody that comes into the field office to apply for disability, whether it be SSI or SSDI, 
we will take their information. We will set them up with an appointment that will be done over the telephone. Um, at this point in time, there are no in-office uh, disability claims being taken. They have a couple of ways that they can file for disability benefits. They can file online, which is probably the quickest and uh, easiest way to file. Once again, if they just uh, go to myssa.gov, create an account, click on where it says apply for disability, and it will guide them through all the questions that we would ask them if they were to come into the field office. It is a little bit of a lengthy process. Um, the application itself probably takes about one hour to an hour and a half. Um, once all that information is completed online, uh, one of our online representatives who works in the field office will get that information and then they will then reach out to that individual to uh, tidy up the application, so to speak, to request any information that might be missing or anything else that we may need for documentation. At that point in time, the application will be sent to our medical examiners and then they are responsible for making that medical decision. It does take about three to five months for a decision to be made. Yeah, wow. so it, it's not um, a temporary uh, disability program. A lot of individuals think, oh, you know, I broke my ankle. I've been out of work for a couple of weeks. Um, can I apply for benefits with Social Security? Our disability programs are long-term. You need to have a disabling condition for 12 months or longer. And just to clarify, Deb, another way that individuals can apply, like I said, call our offices and we'll schedule you an appointment and we will, one of our representatives will take that application right over the telephone. That's, that's very interesting. A disabling condition. So we're seeing some things that are really kind of popping up like long haul COVID where people are just, they're just not recovering. Um, is that something that could be considered a, a long-term disabling condition? The other thing that we've got going on here in Rhode Island is Lyme, well, everywhere, but we have a lot of issues here in Rhode Island with Lyme disease where it's not, you know, I think sometimes we think of disabling condition, like you're in a car accident and now you're paralyzed or, you know, I don't know, you're cutting down a tree and accidentally cut off your arm is disabling. What about these things that maybe are not necessarily so visual? Are they considered disabilities, the long haul COVID, Lyme disease, Parkinson's, Absolutely. things like that? Absolutely, Deb. We have definitely seen an uptick in our um, COVID referred uh, disability cases. Um, a lot of our cases, um, it could be medical or mental health um, disabling conditions. We have individuals that may, you know, suffer from depression or anxiety, um, or may not be able to leave their home due to anxieties, um, or if somebody is unable to work in the industry that they once worked. Um, you know, if they were in a, a car accident and um, had some neurological damages due to that car accident. Yes, those are all situations. Um, if if your medical condition or mental health condition has impacted your ability to work or make a gainful living, 
So meaning you might still be working, but you're not working at the capacity that you once were. Maybe you were working full time and now you're only able to work one or two days a week and you are really struggling just to do that. We encourage you to contact our office and, and, and apply because we will let you know if you meet the criteria. A lot of individuals think that because they are working, they don't qualify for disability benefits. We encourage individuals to be able to work within their scope of their condition and to be as independent as possible, but yet to get the assistance they may need from us. Wow. So I, I did not know that you could still work and collect disability. I think that's really important for people. There, to, there are to know limitations and... as far as what the limits of what you can work and earn, mm -hmm. um, but you certainly can work and collect disability benefits. That's awesome. And we encourage that. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I probably know the answer to this question, but I don't know that a lot of viewers do. Does Social Security pay for long-term care if you need to go into a nursing home? Unfortunately not. Um, so Social Security, a lot of individuals will sometimes will, they'll call us because it, we're like a catch-all. Social means, hey, everything. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. which we don't mind because we're usually the first call that someone will make. Someone yeah. will call to say, I'm looking to collect unemployment benefits or I'm looking to get housing or I'm, I, I need some reimbursement for some medical equipment. And we'll just, you know, um, point them in the right direction to resources that they may need. Unfortunately, Social Security does not have a component for long-term care. Um, probably not in the future either. Uh, what we, our only scope that we do with um, medical coverage is the enrollment in Medicare Part A and Part B. But at this point in time, no long-term care coverage. That's awesome. I'm really glad you shared that. So people can go into the Social Security office as long as it's five minutes or less, give or take. I, I hate even saying that. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the new world that we're, the new norm that we seem to be living in is, is changed everything for us. You know, and we're a, a social bunch of people that work at Social Security. Go yep. figure. Um, <clears throat> and we really enjoy the time that we spend with the people who are, who are serving. So that's really limited us as uh, employees to be able to make that impact uh, for individuals. But we're hoping, you know, as this COVID uh, nightmare goes back into the distance that our model will reshift to where we were. Um, we were finding that, you know, there was a group of individuals that we were missing who um, needed to apply for SSI benefits. Um, those were generally people who, you know, depended on walking into the field offices that maybe didn't have internet connection or capabilities um, technology. So we as an agency are addressing this. Um, we're working very hard to um, help this vulnerable population, um, but we're really hoping to get back on our feet and to be able to do what we do best, which is serve the people. That is awesome. And so you were mentioning that individuals uh, <laughs> can, can, can be considered disabled due to mental health concerns. Some programs um, 
indicate that those mental health concerns have to be diagnosed before a certain age. Is that something that social security requires? Like if you're disabled, you can apply for disability at any time, but are there certain programs within social security that, you know, you have to have a diagnosis say before age 22 or something like that? Excellent. That's a really, really good question. Um, so there are no age guidelines um, as far as applying for disability. Um, you can apply for disability up until um, just before you even reach your full retirement age. Say you're an individual who is um, in your mid to late, mid 60s, and um, you were looking forward to retiring in a few years, but your health is really changed. But you're not able to work at the, at the rate you were able to, but, but you were really hoping to hold out to get that higher magic number of retirement benefits at your full retirement age. That individual can apply for disability as long as they're under the age of 66. Um, even though they're close to retiring, if they're not working at the rate that they were and they're meeting our limits as far as earnings, they can still apply. And if they get approved, then great. The amount they get is the amount they would have gotten had they been well enough to retire at full retirement age. To answer your question about the age 22 number, a lot of individuals will hear that number. And what that refers to is um, if a child gets diagnosed by Social Security as having a disabling condition, whether it be physical or a mental health condition, as long as they're found disabled by our agency before the age of 22, they become protected as what we call disabled adult children. What that means is that if and when their parents retire, or God forbid, if they, their parents were to pass away, or God forbid, if their parents were to go on a, a disability program at a young age, that protects that individual. That individual can actually receive benefits under their parents' record as long as they have a disabling condition. Um, so that's a relief for a lot of individuals. I'll have a lot of parents that'll come in um, you know, my, my child has autism. I don't think that they would um, be able to ever, um, you know, support themselves to the, to the point that I would hope that they could as an adult. What happens to them when I get older? Well, our agency, as long as we found them disabled before the age of 22, when that parent, like I said, goes on retirement or God forbid something were to happen to that parent, we put that child or that adult right on that parent's record and they get that parent's benefit amount. So it that protects is, them. That is something that's actually, I think, really important for people to understand mm -hmm. because I know because people reach out to me for lots of information that there are many older adults, say 60, 70, 80, sometimes 90 years old, who are caring for their adult children with special needs at home. Um, when the lad school closed, I think that was back in the eighties, many families brought their loved ones back home and now everybody's aging. So I think that that's really important for folks to know that 
if the child was recognized as being disabled under a certain age, that they'll still be eligible, even if they're older now and their parents are 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. I think that's really important Absolutely. Uh, for people to understand. So Social Security, can you only claim it if you have worked and paid into it? With the exception of if you were, you know, obviously diagnosed as a child, then you didn't work. <clears throat> but if it's something like um, you got married and never worked a day in your life, other than the work it takes to run a house, which is no joke, but a lot yeah. of work, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't get paid for it. So can you still collect Social Security? Another, I don't know where you're getting all these good questions from, but yes, that's a really good question. You can. Um, it never makes me so proud to be able to work for an agency that has thought of protecting every population there is to protect. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, yes. Um, we have programs such as the Spousal Benefit Program um, for women. It was designed for women, um, even though society is changing and our roles are changing. Um, years ago, women were predominantly staying at home, raising a family, working really hard, <clears throat> maybe work working or working part-time. Um, so the agency looked at this and said, oh, what are we going to do when these individuals retire Either they have not paid enough into Social Security to be able to be eligible for a benefit, or if they have paid enough, they have enough quarters, um, their benefit amount is really low. <clears throat> so we built into a program to support women, um, or even men. I mean, there are men where they were, men stayed home to, to raise the children, and, and women are at work, um, you know supporting the household financially in the manor home, taking care of children. Um, There's the spousal benefit. And the way that works is that um, we look at the benefit amount of the, both spouses um, and we compare the amounts at full retirement age versus full retirement age. And if the spouse who maybe didn't work a lot uh, or didn't work at all, if their benefit is less than one half of their spouses, we can bring them up to the halfway point of their spouse's benefit. It doesn't impact the spouse. It doesn't lessen their benefit amount. It was just a program that Social Security designed to protect uh, individuals that maybe were eligible for a retirement benefit or would be eligible for a very low benefit amount. So um, if anybody is in this category, I urge you to go online. There's lots of great information on our spousal benefit program. Or you can even call our offices and we'll be more than happy to give you that information. Is that question a five minute or less question? It is a five minute less question. <laughs> <laughs> I know I feel terrible. <laughs> I, I, I just picture it's like, okay, the, the clock is ticking down to five minutes. It's I five minutes and one second. And all of a sudden the lights and buzzers flash. No, that doesn't and, really happen, people. <laughs> And I would be the most stressed out person, you know, if I'm in a drive through and it's, it's, I'm holding up someone behind me. This happened yesterday. I was so stressed for the person behind me. You know, I'd be that person going, oh my God, I really hope I have five minutes or less, you know, <laughs> but please, yeah. I, I, we are the federal government. Um, your tax dollars are, are 
are paying for our service. So please come visit us, um, you know, and we will guide you through this and we'll do it together. So let me just make sure you can come into the office, give or take five minutes or less, and they can kind mm -hmm. of assess that at the door. You can get a replacement social security card. Mm -hmm. You can apply for Medicare. You can see if you're eligible for spousal benefits. You can apply for disability. Am I missing anything? Hmm. Let's see. Well, I think it's always a good idea to plan financially. Um, Amen to that. As we, as we all know, retirement, you know, we all look forward to that day where we're going to book that transatlantic cruise. And um, we have a wealth of information online. We have retirement calculators. Um, we have calculators that if you are going to get a private um, a pension from a government, city, state, or town, we'll calculate your windfall. Um, use us. Use our knowledge to plan your future for your retirement. Um, we'll have a lot of uh, financial advisors uh, tell their um, their clients, you know, create a My Social Security account, go online, look at your earnings statement, make sure we have all of your earnings recorded accurately, that we're not missing any years of your earnings. Uh, the last thing you want to do is is apply for your retirement after you've waited all this time to retire, and we're missing earnings on on your record, and we may not pay you the correct amount because we have years that are zero earnings. So do that now, be vigilant. Um, make sure we have everything correct. Estimate, you know, should I retire at 62, 63, full retirement? Or should I wait until age 70 and earn delayed retirement credits? Only you know what's gonna be best for you for your retirement. We can give you the facts, we can't give you our opinion, um, <laughs> but we can give you those facts. So I urge you to use us for the information that we have in our online capabilities. I cannot stress it enough. There are a lot of tools. There's even a life expectancy calculator on our website. So there is a lot of good stuff out there. That is awesome. And what are the hours that the offices open and where are the offices located? Okay, so we are located throughout the country, um, and you can find our locations on our website. Uh, you just put in your zip code, and it will point you to the nearest um, field office. Our hours are 8 to 4, Monday through Friday, no weekend, no weekends at present, and 24-7 um, online. Awesome. Here in Rhode Island, are you guys... Um... Are you downtown or are you in Warwick by the Christmas tree shop? Where are your offices here in Rhode Island? Yes, we have an office in Newport, Rhode Island, Warwick, One Socket, and Providence. Okay. For and a I, little old Rhodey, we have four locations. Well, that's good because Rhode Islanders don't drive far. Exactly. And we're not going to go over a bridge. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so those offices are eight to four, Monday through Friday. Yes, yes. And, you know, as we were saying earlier, we do recognize, you know, with capacity limits, for example, our Providence office, you know, individuals may have to take a bus to come to see us or pay to park because yes. we're in the city. 
you know, I, w the last thing we would do is hate for them to show up and not to be able to be served due to capacity limits. So, you know, like I said, just seek online first. And if that doesn't meet your needs or answer your questions, give us a call and we'll guide you in the right direction. You know, a question had come up. Um, this was a little while ago, so it wasn't in the, the feed right now. Um, but the office in Providence, that's in a federal building. I don't know if the other ones are in federal buildings. And it, do people need to present a real ID to be able to get into the federal building? I know pre-COVID, that was something that was being talked about, that you need a real ID to get into a federal building. But then COVID happened and changed everything. So do you need one of those IDs to be able to get in to see you in Social Security? Well, actually... Um... Our office in Providence was in a federal building and it relocated just across the street maybe about five or six years ago. So it's no longer considered a federal building. It's part of the Johnson and Wales University campus. Um, but no, you do not, to answer your question, you do not need a real ID to get into any of our buildings. That is awesome. And there, there was a question that someone had asked me um, and you, kind of touched on it, but I wanted to just double check. You had mentioned that people can apply for disability up to age 66, but we do live longer um, now than we ever have, actually. So people are working longer. Uh, there was an individual who had reached out to me. She was a CNA and she was in her early 70s. And when COVID hit, there was an opportunity to um, briefly stop working uh, if you were at risk for COVID in the line of work you were in. So she did. But um, in the period of time that she was out, her own medical conditions kind of made it harder for her to be able to return to work. And she wanted to collect disability because she had been working. Is there a certain age cutoff that you're just considered no longer disabled? You're considered elderly? Yeah, well, so it's just a matter of, of coding. We, we would code the program from disability to retirement. Um, but yeah, so as long as the individual is under the age of 66, they can apply for disability. But once they're 66 and above, they would. there's no other, unfortunately, um, program or a disability program that they can apply for. Um, but just to kind of springboard off of that, Deb, we get a lot of questions as far as, can I work while receiving retirement benefits? And I just quickly wanted to say oh, yeah. that if you are under your full retirement age, if you're collecting retirement benefits through Social Security, you can work but there's a limit to what you can earn. Um, that limit, <coughs> excuse me, changes from year to year. So I do urge you to check our website. This year is 16,840. And if you were to go over that, over that limit, we withhold $1 for every $2 earned. If you are collecting Social Security retirement and you are full retirement age or older, there is no limit to what you can earn. So you can work and work 40 hours a week and earn whatever you want, and we're fine with that. So I know that's always a concern. 
unemployment does not count toward earnings for Social Security. So um, we get that question a lot. Oh, wow. Uh, we have covered so much information <laughs> yeah. in such a People short period of time. Next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would certainly come back again if you would have me. I would absolutely love to have you on again. I mean, we just, you know, blew through a good half hour and covered so many good things. Yeah, I would love to have you come back on. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today. And I know we I had really some technical it. difficulties, but we figured it out now. It's Friday the 13th. <laughs> I, I, you know, and I have to say I'm a Virgo. Us in technology, just we don't get along very well, but... Um, it was an honor to be here with all of you today, and um, and it's an honor to serve all of you through Social Security each and every day. So um, just reach out to our agency, and we're here to help. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today, Cheryl. Thank you, Deb. I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Well, everybody, what an amazing Friday, friends. So much information. I learned a lot today. And I really hope that you have too. And aren't you glad that this is recorded so that you can go back and get those pieces of, of wisdom um, and really kind of digested in time, you know, because sometimes you don't have these questions, you know, all at once. So you can always refer back. You know, if you found this helpful, please hit the like and the share button because I know that there's people out there that need the information we talked about today, um, particularly, you know, with the long haul COVID going on and so many other health conditions that have really gotten worse during the pandemic. There's a lot of people who need the stuff that we talked about today. So please share this video. Um, if you find this helpful, you know, feel free to go on and make a donation to help support our efforts in getting this information out to you. Um, in the meantime, I look forward to seeing you all next week. I hope that in the meantime that you are all staying well and that you be kind. If you like this video, please follow us on social media and subscribe on YouTube. For more information, visit rielderinfo.com or call 401-585-0509. If you have any questions, email deb at rielderinfo.com.